Welcome to Breaking Vinyl. I'm your host, Dez, a.k.a. Johnny Fever. And as always, I'm joined by my two co-hosts. First up, the podcaster coming through in high fidelity, Evil Ed. What's up, Ed? What's up, Dez? And last but not least, the podcaster playing the deep cuts, Beside Dave. What's up, Dave? Hello, hello. All right, tonight we will be discussing Prince's Purple Rain. Purple Rain is the sixth studio album by American singer and songwriter Prince. It was released on June 25th of 1984 by Warner Brothers Records as the soundtrack album to the 1984 Purple Rain. Purple Rain peaked number one on the Billboard 200. Uh, During the Purple Rain era, Prince's lineup was as follows. Prince on lead vocals, guitars and piano, Wendy Melvin on guitar and vocals, Brown Mark on bass and vocals, Lisa Coleman on keyboards, piano and vocals, Matt Dr. Fink on keyboards and vocals, and Bobby Z on drums. So I've got a couple of fun facts on this one. Uh, In real life, Prince did not have a violent relationship with a suicidal father, and nor did his father beat his wife or own again. So this movie was based in a lot of fiction. And number two, I know last week I said, no Stevie's this week, but here we go again. Prince initially asked Stevie Nicks to write lyrics for Purple Rain. She said that the 10-minute track was overwhelming. She listened to it and got scared. She said she called Prince back and said, I can't do it. I wish I could. It's just too much for me. So Prince went on to write the lyrics and Purple Rain was born. Do you guys have any facts on this one? Yeah, yeah. I pulled up a a couple uh, total sales standing at 25 million copies worldwide, making one of the best selling albums of all time. Wow. Uh, Rolling Stone 500 greatest albums of all time list of 2020 came in at number eight. Mm. Pretty strong. Yeah. And uh, the week the uh, Purple Rain movie opened, uh, July 84, Prince became the first artist to have the number one album, single, and film in the country simultaneously. Wow. Okay. So batting a thousand on this album. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No kidding, right? What do you got, Ed? Uh, I got that. This album spent 24 consecutive weeks atop the Billboard 200. Wow. uh, And in total, 122 weeks on the charts. That's two years and 18 weeks, almost two and a half years on the chart. I mean, that's just crazy. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's because it was tied to that movie and the movie was such a success. I mean, it was a perfect storm for Prince in 1984 with this record and movie. Yeah, and uh, another interesting fact, this is also the first time Prince really gave any credit to other musicians. Hmm. Uh, you know, he gave the revolution a lot of writing, arranging uh, credit on this, and that was a first for him. So, yeah, what a difference, too, because, I mean, this yeah. album's just a beast. Oh, is it? Okay. Well, so, no, no, and, and I get this, and I know where you're going to go. Well, and, there's, a, there's a lot to unpack here on this album, and I have made a vow on this show, not to let an album rest on its reputation. Okay. Not going to let an album rest on its reputation. Okay. How many it's sold. I don't care what I remember it as a little kid. I'm listening to the album as an adult and I have to rate it and discuss it and break it down the way I heard it. And I listened to this one three times when I put it on the first time, I was like, wait a second. 
this isn't what I remembered hearing the first time. And then I listened to it again. And I listened to it again today. Um, so let's get some opening thoughts on this one. I'll start us off. Hold um, on, hold on. Before you start, go ahead. You guys have a problem separating listening to the album from picturing the movie and following the soundtrack with the movie. Uh, because no. they were like, there are some songs that I'm like, oh, I know, like, like the song fits the movie so good, but the song on its own is just oof. Yeah, it. It, it it works better if this album... Okay, so you nailed it, Ed. This album is way better if you're watching the movie while you're listening to it. Yes. Like, way better. Because it distracts you from the enormous potholes in the production and the execution of these songs, which <laughs> we'll get into because it blows my mind some of the choices that were made here. Oh, um, I can't wait. I can't but, wait. Okay, so let's get into it. So as we learned last week, in 1984, I was a young man. <laughs> you like these stories? Searching for an identity. So I remember the first time I saw Purple Rain, the movie. So this was my first introduction to this. And it inspired me. Um, I finished watching the movie, um, ran into my mother's closet, and grabbed the white ruffle shirt. I was going to wear it to school. I put it on, looked at myself in the mirror, and I said, if I wear this to East Junior High School, I am going to get my ass kicked. So I took the shirt off. But I did go out, I bought the album, and I listened to it on a loop. Um, I was very, I was influenced heavily by the movie. And I think this goes back to what Ed was saying. Um, as a child and as not really a musician at the time, I was sold on the visual of this album in the movie. So, yeah, that's my memory of it. Um, Ed, you've obviously listened to this front and back before perform, uh, preparing for this podcast. Yes. Um, what are your memories? Uh, this is just, oh, this album so many good memories just it was a good time in my life when i was a kid uh weirdly enough and this is kind of awkward my best friend at the time i remember i would sleep over his house all the time and his older sister had a big poster on her ceiling above her bed of prince oh, standing in a bathroom in a speedo <laughs> and i remember going who the hell is this and then i heard this album and went oh shit <laughs> Oh my God, that's awesome. <laughs> Taped to the ceiling above her bed. Above her bed, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. It was so good, so good. But yeah, I mean, it was just a great time. Um, you know, and I think I think the album, to me, kind of exposed me to a lot of the not-so-sunny 1950s perfect family. Yes. Uh, you know, so it was a nice little, oh, wait, you know everything isn't always good. So. It was a powerful movie and Prince delivered a fucking amazing performance for a musician uh, transitioning over to the screen. Um, Dave, what were your, uh, you've obviously heard this front to back before preparing. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, okay. we, we all grew up hearing this. Okay. Uh, you know, you hear the hits on the radio. Uh, I, you know, saw the videos on MTV growing up. Uh, he was huge, you know, yeah. back in the, the mid eighties. I couldn't get away from Prince. Yeah. I didn't hear the entire record until the nineties. You know, I picked up the cassette from a, you know, used record store in Boston and uh, <laughs> then, then got to hear the, the whole, you know, work uh, together. Uh, recently picked up the deluxe edition too. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Awesome. All right. So let's get into the track breakdown. So it opens up with let's go crazy. Obviously a fucking, a kick-ass song. Um, Prince replaced the word Satan with elevator, which I thought was a 
a clever play on words. And he also replaced the word God with uh, let's go crazy um, to get around the fact that at the time you couldn't really say God on the radio and get heavy airplay. Um, so it was a, it was a clever play on words and we get some heavy handed symbolism on this album, like religious overtones. A lot of this is going on. You know, we're going to get this like sermon, like uh, intro, you know, dearly beloved, we're gathered here today to get through this thing called life. And we're also going to get this like kind of funeral procession organ, like solo on this. So this album is, it's, it's pretty cool in that, um, in that way. But as soon as the, the track started, I was like blown away and disappointed by how simple this drum track is. And I mean, simple, like, like some of my first demos, like when I didn't even know how to use the drum machine, like this is like someone just push play, let a drum track run through the entire track, never hit the fill button once. It's fucking terrible. And the song is so good. So I a beat it with another track from the time that used drum sequencing and mixed it with real drums. And that was hungry. Like the wolf by Duran Duran and the drum track is miles above this dynamically. And it makes the track interesting. It makes it fun to listen to. And then I also um, compared it with David Bowie's let's dance the single um, man, the drum track on that fucking kicks you in the face. It's amazing. And these other artists were building these great hits on these amazing foundations, which were making these songs reach levels that let's go crazy. Just it could never get there being built on these drum tracks. And it's a shame because it's an amazing song. Uh, the bass track, it was okay. You know, it, it wasn't enough to distract me from the, the drum machine. And a lot of the bass on this album gets lost in a kind of a muddy production. Uh, the end guitar solo was excellent. The sound was excellent. The riffs were excellent. And Prince is, in my opinion, by far the most underrated and under-acknowledged lead guitar player of all times. A oh, lot of yeah. people, yeah, a lot of people mm -hmm. don't even know he is a lead guitar player. And I've seen him shred in group settings, uh, like with um Tom Petty and stuff, where he's playing solos that like would rival Slash on his best day. So yeah, that was uh my opening thought on Let's Go Crazy. Um what did you think, Dave? Dearly beloved, welcome to the Church of Prince, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. Love it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you, you're just getting you're getting it all right up front. Um, you know, I, I didn't agree with with, uh, you know, your thing about the, the drums. Uh, you know, it's really all all you need is that that basic pattern. And you got to remember, this is the early 80s the the very 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 beginning of electronic music and you know they didn't really you know i feel like they made up for you know the simple drum track with everything else going on you know he's layering you know electronic drums and synth and rock guitar all the vocals uh, you know you're mashing up the uh you know the genres of rock and R and B and gospel music with that you know the run in the middle there and there and there and there and there, mm -hmm. and that's total church music. But Dave, wouldn't you agree that that like with a chorus as strong as this one, don't you agree that it does need the dynamics of the drum beat to change to to like usher in that that hot chorus, and then when the chorus is finished, 
to give me that dynamic, to break it back down into the verse again. I mean, don't you think it would have made the song better <laughs> if it had had a little energy bringing you into that chorus instead of just, it was just like, what the fuck, man? Like, give me this chorus. I don't know. That's a great drum beat. <laughs> is it? Is yeah. it? No, yeah. it's not. Okay. That, uh, you know, his, his guitar solo at the end, you know, chef's kiss. Mwah. Oh, yeah. It, oh, yeah. It's amazing. It, it puts yes. tingles down your spine. It's tingles. It's As a guitar player, I'm tingling. Yeah, I, I'm totally in the same boat. You know, Prince is the most underrated guitar player that, you know, he, he could stand up to, you know, any guitar shredder. You know, Anybody. Even, even the level of, you know, Steve Vai or something like that. Yes. Yes. Um, like I said, I've seen some, I've seen some stuff on YouTube where I'm just like, whoa, <laughs> you oh, know, yeah. oh, like, yeah. whoa. Uh, Ed, what did you think of this opening track? Uh, so I think it's the perfect mix of rock synth pop and R&B. I think uh, lots of energy. It's just, it's a great opening song. Lyrics are great. Uh, definitely a lot of, uh, spiritual religious undertones in it. Um, but <clears throat> I'm with Dave. I think, I think we need to look at this album and Prince at the time as changing music. Pioneer. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because he, I, I feel like, like when I listen to this, it's almost like, okay, this song most of the songs he just wanted to focus on keyboards and electronic sounds. So he wanted to have everything else just be the filler background stuff. But, you know, we all know the band and just how they play. They're all monster musicians. They can play, um, you know, and it's more just, I think it was Prince, you know, like I said earlier, him slowly beginning to let others in and help him compose some things yeah Um, because honestly if i did a couple fun things i listened to this panned left panned right and and stuff like that and you pick up so many different things that i never heard so i haven't done that before and then all of a sudden i'm like wait i never knew the bass did this the drums did this it's so muted in the back that uh i think there's a lot there that just isn't heard i i made that note that I thought the production of this didn't do the album justice because there is so much to listen to, yeah. but it gets muddied up and you don't hear a lot of it, unfortunately, without doing what you're doing. I yeah. think it could have been a cleaner, crisper production that would have separated all of these amazing things going on and brought them to the front more like some single note piano notes he's slipping in that you don't pick up unless you do right. something yeah. like that. Yeah, and I agree. But I think he also didn't want to put out necessarily a rock album. Oh, he didn't, (laughs) you know, it's, you know, and I think we're kind of, it's hard, you know, at least I feel like the three of us kind of, you know, based on the first two picks and just our music tendencies in general, you know, are looking at it from that perspective. And and we got to remember, you know, this is, you know, what did Prince put out? He put, he, he also helped what, uh, uh, Mars Day in the Time. um, Yeah. You know, the Apollonia five or whatever the heck they were, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in a whole, city he basically put them on the map oh yeah oh yeah totally um you were saying you know breaking ground with this album though like with these electronic drums things i feel like it would have served him 
to sprinkle in some of Bobby Z's live drums, especially on this track with this drum beat. I feel like if he had layered another live drum track over this as needed, maybe some fills to bring in these parts and separate the two parts and to just give it a organic feel, it would have served this song greatly because it really feels stiff. But that's just my opinion. We all hear it differently, and that's why we do the show. Um, yes. Next song, Take Me With You. Dave, take it away. What do you got on this track? I love this song. It's a co-lead vocal with Apollonia, which I yep. didn't know before. I assumed it was just Wendy and Lisa singing back up with him. Right. Um, the, they brought in some real strings uh, to play on there, you know, violin and cello. Um, you know, you have this attention-grabbing intro, uh, which is a, a little strange, you know, the, in the way it sort of, you know, dumps into this almost almost syrupy pop song but you know yeah. in, in a good way um you know the song might not work without that that sort of uh, attention grabbing uh extra part right um ed what did you think of take me with you uh i agree a lot with dave on this one i think that the intro and outro drum part the oh it just it grabs you right away and then how it just transitioned into the smooth thing i'm it it just totally i just i remember being a kid going whoa uh, you know and it's just fantastic uh again i agree with dave the string melody really good the music is simple yet it's super full i think in this and i and i think you know what that's probably a good a good example of less is more mm -hmm. um yeah. you know in this song and i i really liked it in uh Fun fact about this one is it was originally written for Vanity to sing. That's right. You know, so, uh, yeah, it was just, I, this is one of my, there are three tracks that I just absolutely adore on this. And this is one of them. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I was really relieved to hear some percussion when this one opened up. <laughs> I, I was like, Oh, okay. We're here. We're back, you know? And, uh, I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, and like you said, um, Vanity was um, supposed to sing this song, but she was pursuing a lucrative deal with Motown Records, and she decided to go that route and not uh, do that. I really enjoyed the uh, the Apollonia Prince mix on this uh, vocal. Um, I really like the storytelling on this album. It's touching. I mean, we'll get to it, but I mean, there's a couple of tracks on this album that, you know, made me feel melancholy. It touched me in that little spot, like maybe reminded me of a breakup in a summer or whatever. And, you know, yeah, I mean, he was touching, he was touching some, uh, he was touching some notes inside me anyway. So yeah, well-written song. Um, the beautiful ones is the third track on this album. Uh, Ed, what do you think of this one? Uh, I think overall it is a terrible song. Oh. Um, however, I think there are, a gr this is one of those songs I love so many individual parts in it. And I think just as a whole, without the movie, it's, you know, where it sets a scene in the movie of everything, you know, falling apart. It just, it just, I don't know. I like the haunting sounds. It's, it's a very haunting musically, uh, and yeah. as vocal, uh, the melody's good. I like the dynamics. Um, this is one of three songs that were completely done by Prince. No yeah. one else was involved in it. And, and I think that's kind of sets kind of 
let you know his mindset when he was writing this because all three songs are very similar that mm-hmm. he did on his own. So, uh, yeah, um, I agree with everything he said. You know, this track, it was okay. Prince gives a, a really nice vocal performance on this, which he does on the whole album. I mean, he gets a little screamy in a couple of spots where it's almost like he's he's starting to lose control a little bit. Um, I mean, I know he's got the range to handle all the screams he gives us, but it just starts to sound a little, I don't know, just not natural. Um, we get a strange, like kind of diminished synth on this song where it almost falls out of tune flat, but it doesn't. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yes. Mm-hmm. And he that. does it on a couple of tracks on this album where he's really towing the line of like, of going flat. And I think he's using like the whammy bar on the synth, which was like kind of a, a cool new thing in this time, but he does it right. Um, it gives it kind of a, a kind of like a blade runner, um, feel like that soundtrack to that movie blade runner had this going on too. And I really liked it. It was, it was interesting. I hadn't heard anything like it and it stood up, stood the test of time. I enjoyed it on this. Listen, um, we get a nice lead guitar track on this one. Um, but, and it's funny because I know Prince, um, produced this album and one of my knocks on the album is one, I think he underplayed a little bit on this one, just a little bit. I mean, he does have some really tasty licks, but I think the problem was he buried his guitar in a lot of these tracks where the guitar should have been more up front and been the star of the moment. And it never really was anywhere on this album. And he also didn't use great effects on the guitar. Um, I wish in some spots he had stuck more to his roots and maybe just made it crisper and cleaner and just easier to hear every note he was playing because he was playing some very nice notes. And he wrote this song about uh, reinventing himself as Prince. So that's what I got on this one. Uh, Dave, what'd you think? Uh, yeah, this one's a sleeper track. Uh, it's yeah. pretty, pretty straightforward lyrics. Uh, you know, if somebody else had taken these lyrics, they would have turned it into a bad song. Uh, yeah. I, I like this song. Uh, Prince did a great job with it you know starts uh you know kind of mellow and sweet cranks up the intensity uh, until he's screaming his ass off at the end it's it's great yeah uh with the screaming at the end though again for a guy with the talent of prince and that r&b voice that he's got i felt like he he was towing the line on this one for it not quite working with the song for me i mean he was really he was yeah, on the edge i i know what you mean that he went you know just a little bit off the rails and yeah maybe maybe a little unhinged yes but, uh... that, that's that's the right word <laughs> that's the right word dave it was a little unhinged it wasn't that prince wasn't handling his business because he was and he handled every note that he sang on this album but, yeah, but it was argue artistically about uh, you know that that going to the song and the the yeah. mood and the you know message yeah. that yeah and that's just nitpicking honestly yeah. to be honest with you i mean yeah. it was it was fine so almost like um, acting in the song you know of how crazy he's going at the end right right selling selling that uh... yeah and also you have to remember you know remember the scene you know remember the movie you know, so these things are, are, you know, amping up scenes and it was done, it was done very cleverly in that aspect. Uh, so the next one is computer blue. <laughs> Dave, I'm going to give you this one. Go ahead. All right. Wendy. <laughs> yes, Lisa. Oh, um, no. Ah! 
<laughs> yeah, the, the, this this kind of gets you. You know, what is this? What what's going on? I'm kind of intrigued. You know, what's, yes. what's the story here? Uh, the track was worked out. You know, I I read about they they sort of did a bunch of jamming and and worked out the track. Uh, originally it was 14 minutes long. Uh, they they cut it they cut it down for the record obviously you know not a lot of lyrics there mostly instrumental um you know they they could have you know prince could have made uh, almost a guitar nerd record you know if he wanted to take some of this and make an instrumental guitar record you know yes that, that that's sort of what it reminded me in the middle almost of of some of that like instrumental guitar uh which is cool uh, but you know, maybe, you know, it's definitely not up there with the, the pop songs on, on the album. No, it's not. But uh, it's Ed, Computer Blue hit me. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I was torn with this song. Um, <laughs> I like it. it it's totally Prince. You can just hear this is Prince. But... I like the weird, catchy, individual parts again. This is one of those songs, it's just the parts in as parts are great, in my opinion. Uh, I love the transition into the guitar solo. I think it's really dynamic. Uh, the solo was uh, actually a piano part that he wrote with his dad, Yeah, which I thought was really cool. And I don't know about you guys. Did you guys get the vibe that this song is almost like the inspiration for the entire Batman soundtrack that he did years later. Oh shit. It, it definitely had the flavor Ed. you know, it did. Like I'm hearing it going, wait a minute. I've heard something similar to this. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. I've read, I read one of the, um, the, one of the later songs, the baby, I'm a star, uh, Tim Burton actually used that as, as temp music for, for the Batman thing. And then when they hired Prince, he came in and, you know put new music over it but but that was you know temp temp music in the original <laughs> i remembered this song being the intro to darling nikki so i remembered it being you know mm-hmm. lisa yes you know that whole thing and i was like oh cool i remember this this is great and i love that little part and then the song just doesn't make sense to me it's like five songs in one song yeah none of them are great um this is a filler track and, and here's the problem. There's only nine tracks on this song. One of them is 10 minutes long and there's two filler songs on this album. So that's going to leave us seven songs. One of them is 10 minutes long. Okay. Um, I wish with this song, we had just got the intro with Lisa talking, right? And then it goes from that right into Darling Nikki as kind of like a setup where you hear the two women being sexual with each other and then it goes into Darling Nikki. But it's not what we got. And if this was going to be there, I really wish Prince had like fucking grabbed that purple guitar, that fucked up looking guitar and fucking given me a solo that made my jaw hit the floor. Like, just do it, man. Just turn on the Marshall and play a fucking guitar solo take some of the effect off it and fucking knock my socks off. I know it's not a rock album, but this was a missed opportunity in my opinion. And the song didn't make sense and I didn't really care for it. Just my opinion. (laughs) 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 Uh, Next song, Darling Nikki. Uh, You know, this is great. Ed. Uh, I have so many just, just, thoughts of this song 
<laughs> for one, being a young kid hearing this song, you're like, ooh. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's another Prince composition. Uh, super dark, kind of depressing song. It's a great love-hate relationship, the lyrics, the whole thing. Um, however, the double bass at the end, followed by the backward track that sounds like gospel almost, I just, I think that's great. However, yeah. I do, a side story, I was in a basement club somewhere in New York City years ago. Mm. And there was some, like, punkish style band playing, and they played this song, and they killed it. Like, they took it just enough to make it their own. And I was like, damn, these guys really turned this into something great. <laughs> wow. I'd like to hear that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So with this song, the story is what drives the song, you know, yeah. the the story he's telling you. And again, this goes to the fact that this is a soundtrack to a movie and he's, and this is almost like a concept album. And wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Totally. I mean, to a point, um, I found the production, on this song and the album to be messy, unfortunately, you know, again, it's a jumble. It's, it's hard to hear the individual tracks that are going on. It's hard to make out the details. Um, the lead guitar was too far back in the mix and over affected. I wish he had gone cleaner and crisper on this one. And maybe that guitar could have cut through all the synth a little bit and it would have been a little more effective. And I'm not sure if this is true, but I think the backward message is the Lord is coming. Uh, the Lord is coming soon. Isn't that, did you guys read that? Yep. I actually, okay. I actually took it and put it in my uh, sound program and reversed it. Nice. And, and checked it out. <laughs> yep. It's, it's hello. How are you? I'm fine. Cause I know the Lord is coming soon. And so that, that's a, a, you know, weird uh, dichotomy with the, the whole song about, you know, the girl grinding and <laughs> masturbating it. and everything else. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> kind of always been Prince's thing is sort of that, that one side and the other, and, you know, almost like little Richard, you know, going wild and, and becoming a preacher and all that mm. kind of stuff. Right. Um, yeah. So Dave, what did you think of the track? Yeah, I loved it. Um, yeah. It's on the PMRC filthy 15 list. Nice. <laughs> it's it's a great strip club song. Yes. You know, very funky. Uh, Prince played everything on the track. Yeah. Really good. Really mm -hmm. good. Um, so the next one up is When Doves Cry. And again, it's great storytelling. And this one is by far my favorite vocal delivery on the album. And this song is also, in my opinion, produced much cleaner than the rest of the album. This song was very easy to listen to. Um, like you'll notice right off the bat, there's this little dry single note piano part where he's literally just plinking on a piano and it's very melodic and you can hear it perfectly through everything else. It's like, you don't even have to struggle to hear this. And I wanted this more on this album. I, like I said, I'm not sure if Prince was maybe over his head a little bit producing this record. Like I wish they had brought somebody else in because there's also going to be some songs to just end strange on this album. They're like demos, the way a demo would end. Like, they're just not clean endings. And I feel like a producer might have come in and said, you know, ah, we need to, you know, end this song tighter. Um, You know, maybe helped him. I mean, I'm sure he had an engineer in the room with him for sure. But I just felt like maybe he bit off a little more than he could chew on this album. Um, 
again, there's some cool guitar in this, but it is buried in the mix. And by this time, I was I was dying for Prince to show off his skills, even if it wasn't in a rock way, even if it was like in an R and B way, where he's playing some like some different kind of you know, uh, you know some some stuff from like jazz, just anything, just just show me something because I know you have a bag so deep of licks that you could just blow my mind. And and he never really brought it out. Maybe just one time on this album at the beginning where I was just like, Whoa, I wanted more of that. Um, I, I don't know if maybe he was trying to trying to break as a producer, synth songwriter, and maybe didn't want to come across like, you know, this is a rock album and I'm a rock guitar player. But I feel like if he had done a little bit more on this album as a lead guitar player, he may have got his uh, cred as one of the greatest lead guitar players of all time that I think maybe your average Sally Housewife missed, you know? So that's Dove's Cry for me. Dave, what did you think? Yeah, here comes Prince and his boss guitar pedals. Uh, Very cool. Um, This song actually has no bass guitar in it. Uh, They tried it. And decided it was sort of uh, just sounded too conventional. Uh, a lot of times when he was working on these songs in the studio, it would just be him and an engineer. And he'd be, you know, punching in and out and doing his thing. Uh, monster hit, you know, great vocal layering. Uh, this is one of, you know, my favorite songs if I'm like warming up to sing. You know, you can sing along with this and jump up and down with the different parts. You know, it's great to warm up if if you're singing. Dave, let me ask you, did you miss the bass line? Because I did. I didn't. I, I noticed that there wasn't a bass line on this. And I, I I felt a little bit like the the bottom of this album, the drums and bass were lacking a little bit for an album that was, you know, basically like, I mean, not to say it was an R&B album because it's not, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, I wish there was a little more. Hand. Yeah, man, you need a little more funk. You need a little more soul. You just need a little bit more. So I missed that bass line. Absolutely. Yeah, it didn't bother me. Okay. I wasn't there, but. <clears throat> okay. He was featuring um, the vocals. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, but it's fine. But I mean, you can feature the vocals and still be building a song on a solid foundation, which I think that he missed uh, quite a few times on this album. Ed, what'd you think of When Dubs Cry? Yeah. Uh, personally, I, I'm not a fan of this song. What? Get, yeah, I'm not. It. I remember when I first heard the song, <laughs> I was like, "Eh, I like, I like so much about it," but for some reason, when I hear songs that, like you guys said, there's no bass in it, it's it without a low end, it just sounds like it's missing something. Yes, uh, it felt un- incomplete to me. Yeah. Um. Great song too. Too bad. You know, but it's it's great storytelling. Um. You know, it, it's I I think we also I, I personally have to remember with this song, it's him person pushing the uh, pop music boundaries, mm-hmm. you know, because I hear that and I hear it's like he's like, OK, here's a pop song, but let me change it. So everyone goes, wait, what? No, it isn't. Yeah. Um, you know. But yeah, it's it just this was everything like every time the video comes on, I change it. It just. It, oh, this shit. Song, this song annoys me. It does. Wow. That's yeah. dude, That's a hot take. That's a hot take because you know, like uh, this in the bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody likes that. Awesome. Well, um, we, we know my friend's sister did. So <laughs> oh, I, I <laughs> love it. Of it. 
Yeah, we know why that poster was taped above the bed. Yeah, yeah. Um, all five, four of them. Uh, yeah, that's a hot take, Ed, because um, that's a great song. Uh, next track on this is I Would Die For You. Um, I'll take this one. Uh, this track has lots of heart, lyrically. You know, it's it's one of those songs I listen to. And I mean, you can't help but to look at your wife and just go, you know, I got your back, baby. You know, um, but by this time in the album, the stiff drums with no dynamics were fucking grinding. They were grinding on me because I'm listening to this album. I'm like, these songs are fucking great, but they have no soul. They've got no backbone. They've got no rhythm section. They're just built on these fucking these dink drum beats that just they just they suck these drum beats suck i'm sorry i don't care if he was breaking down they're just not good you're gonna you go back and like i said and and you listen to um you know like tracks done by bowie on let's dance and you're hearing these and i mean they're at the same era i mean these these albums are competing with each other and this album is not even in the fucking in the conversation when it comes to the rhythm sections. It's just not. Um, it was grinding on me. It was hard. It was a huge hole in this album. And it was a strange choice by Prince, in my opinion. If he wanted to do this, he had to mix these electronic drums with a real drummer on every track and make them interesting and dynamic and usher in the different sections of these songs. It's a fucking problem, man. Um, and the way the song ended, it sounded like a demo to me. Um, it didn't sound like a big budget studio album. And that just goes back to my problem with the production of this album. It's it just, I don't think it was produced well. It's just my opinion. Um, Dave, what'd you think? Yep. This was, uh, one of the older songs that, you know, they brought in. I was, they started working on it maybe, you know, a couple of years before, uh, supposedly one of the ones they tracked live at the uh, First Avenue Club, um, along with uh, Baby I'm a Star and Purple Rain. Uh, this is the club that's in the movie. Uh, they there, There's debate uh, over how much, you know, really made it onto the album or how much got, you know, retracked back in the studio. Uh, the lyrics sort of play with religion. You know, talking about Sinner and Messiah, but uh, beautiful song. I I, I don't mind the, uh, you know, kind of flat drum track. Uh, if, if sort of if he was going for more, uh, you know, dynamic, like like you're talking about, you know, he, he might be treading too much into that, you know, P-Funk, you know, James Brown, that that you know maybe he's trying to do something more than than you know like a, a 70s uh funk that that he may have started with but he, he's trying to sort of transcend that and do you know pop music and and you know sort of blast these genres out of the water right um ed what did you think uh i think Exactly opposite of you, Des. Okay. <laughs> I think, literally, I think this song is the beginning of the best part of this entire album. Okay. I think, like, like you, you come in, let's go crazy, great. Then it starts to go down, gets goes down a real dark hole, and then all of a sudden he throws the 16th, 30 seconds on, on a hi-hat, and you go right into I Would Die For You. And I'm like, all right, 
this is pretty cool. You know, it, it's just super upbeat for me. It's one of my favorite songs. I throw between this and Baby I'm a Star is my favorite songs on this album. Really? Yeah. Um, I think Baby just, I'm a Star? Yeah. Uh, this and I Would Die For You. I Would Die For You and Baby I'm a Star, yeah. Awesome. Uh, lyrically, the harmonies, the melody, they're all upbeat, positive. They're fantastic, in my opinion. Uh, the music is simple, but again, it's full and it moves. It just it keeps you moving forward, and that's what I really like about it. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's another just huge spiritual reference. Totally. Um, and moving on to "Baby I'm a Star," since it's one of your favorite songs, why don't you take it away? Sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it is. It's a total toying cost. Toying cost for me. Um, the group is simple, but it gets me going. Uh, I just think it's one of those things that gets your blood flowing. Um, you know, the lyrics are again, awesome. They're honest. Uh, it feels like it's the most complete song in my opinion on the album. Hmm. Uh, Dave, how about you? Yep. I love this song too. Uh, one of my favorites, very underrated. Uh, you know, it's not, not a deep song, you know, it sort of seems more like, uh, you know, designed for, you know, just dancing and jamming out, uh, reminds me a lot of the stuff Prince did with, uh, the time. You know, it's 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 almost more of you know like a Morris Day and the Time song that that I feel like they would you know get into. But I I love the song; it's great. Yeah, this is the uh, the next song that comes up with that uh, diminishing uh, piano part that where it kind of starts you know falling down. I really liked it a lot. Uh, love the melodies and his vocals on this. You know, da, 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 da. it's really nice. Um, yeah, I mean, what what else can you say about it? I mean, it's a great song. It's, you know, it's not one of the strongest songs on the album, in my opinion, just because it's surrounded by such, you know, great tracks, but it's fucking awesome. So I'm with both of you guys on that. Um, and finally, we come to the, uh, the crown jewel on this album, Purple Rain. And this is where I get this like, kind of like punch in my stomach because it's so good. The drums are so good on this. We're finally going to get this organic live drum track where this drummer is playing and the whole thing sounds warm. It sounds organic. It's got feel. It's got dynamic. It's got bass. It's got everything you want in a great studio track. I fucking love this. I love this. It's epic. It's iconic. It's pop culture. And I'm not even going to lie to you guys. This morning when I was doing this, I actually got choked up. I had a tear in my eye because I was listening to this. I did. <laughs> I literally caught myself on the edge of crying. I'm like, all right, stand up straight, soldier. What are you doing here? Um, I was so relieved to hear these live drums. It was amazing. Um, you know, we get the guitar solo. Um, I wish it was up front a little more, but it's it's very nice. And um it's fucking awesome, man. Just amazing. Uh, I did think the last minute and a half of this song dinged it. Uh, I wish they didn't drag it on as long as they did. I wish they had, uh, you know, just put a little bow on it and tightened it up when the song was over, <laughs> you know? Um, but that's my that's my thoughts on Purple Rain. Just a fucking home run. Kick ass. Ed? Yeah, I agree with you and, and both of you with the fact every time I hear it on, it's just, this is... To my ears, I can't find a single part of this song that doesn't ooze emotion. Yeah. 
like the way you can you can feel it come through everyone's fingers on the stringed instruments the keys i mean everything about this just oozes emotion and i love it yeah. uh the music and lyrics blend so perfectly no one steps on anyone but everything is just it there um it also just the guitar solo at the end i think is just phenomenal mm-hmm. absolutely phenomenal and i have i can't count how many times i've watched the youtube video that someone uploaded that's like an old like handheld camera from that show that these three songs were supposedly taken from and it's pretty close that solo that's on that video recording um yeah, yeah it's just it's oh it's so i don't funny. think anyone could say anything bad about this song it's it's just oh yeah. it's, it's in my heart you know it, it's a masterpiece is what yes, it is it is dave purple rain oh yeah yeah i mean that the first chord amazing oh. gorgeous Yes. You know, you immediately know what song this is. You know, Wendy's guitar, you just 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 perfect playing, you know, coming into the song there. Um, you know, you have your, your gospel influence and the power ballad thing, you know, builds slowly from the beginning to the end. Uh, you know, and the guitar solo, obviously, you know, makes it sing, makes it scream. You know, you feel that guitar in your bones. And And can we talk about, you know, the greatest Super Bowl halftime performance of all time. Oh, yeah. Ever. Definitely. Purple rain. So good. In the rain. Oh, yeah. Oh, playing behind <laughs> that sheet, flapping in the wind. Just, oh, yeah. 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 That, kick that, ass. Yeah. Many years later, but you got to You got to bring that up. <laughs> so let me ask you guys, do you think if this song had one beat going through it, that was not a live drummer, just to, just if he had gone again with the drum machine, just, you know, this song would have stood this song would have been as good as it was built around these great drums that bobby z gave us on this track no it it probably would have been as good and that's my point behind a song like let's go crazy can you imagine if they had let bobby z uncork a real drum track on that and had the bass player fucking follow him how good that song could have been Yeah. That's the only point I'm making. It's not that Let's Go Crazy isn't fine, because it is. I mean, like Ed said, songs, fucking albums, like number one for an eternity. Obviously, it's great. So I don't want people to think I'm bashing Purple Rain, because I am not. I'm just saying that I think some of the choices that were made were questionable, especially when you have a guy like Bobby Z that can obviously deliver a great drum beat. Yeah. So those are my points. You know, that's all. Um, okay, guys. So if you had... Oh, go ahead. Did, have, did we discuss why, uh, what Purple Rain means or what it supposedly means? Uh, well, if you ask Craig Sphere, it's Purple Vein, actually. <laughs> I've, <laughs> seen, I've seen them play and perform Purple Vein many times. <laughs> <laughs> this is, a, this is a, a mutual friend we have that uh, he, he's famous for saying Purple Vein. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, No, Ed, why don't you uh, tell the listeners uh, what Purple Rain is? Uh, so supposedly, uh, Prince explained Purple Rain as uh, blood, the red and blue blood that everyone has. And when you mix it together, it turns purple. And when blood falling from the sky, meaning end of days. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Um, so let's get into favorite track and track you would cut. Uh, Dave, what is your favorite track on this album? Uh, Got to go with Big Daddy, Purple Rain. Okay. Uh, and Ed, what is your favorite track on this album? 
if God, it's it's so it's it's a coin toss for me between I would die for you and Baby I'm a Star. Okay, um, and I am also going to go with uh, Purple Rain. I mean, yeah, there's another track or two on this that are close, but um, they don't make me cry on a uh, Saturday morning. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep, me too. Um, and I think the one that I would cut would be. Uh, what is it? You know, Lisa? Yes. What's that one? Yes, Wendy? Uh, com- uh, computer Blues. No. Computer it- Blue. Okay. So that's that's my cut. And um, Ed, what are you cutting off this album? I would cut Beautiful Ones. Oh. Only because uh, there is a there is a duet of Drew Hill and Mariah Carey doing it. And I'd like to hear that because I think they would do that so much better. Hmm. I just and, don't. I, I think this song would be good if someone else did it. Right? Maybe. Maybe. You know, that's my opinion. Um, Dave, what are you cutting off of Purple Rain? I would have to cut Computer Blue. I I think okay. it's musically genius. A uh, little choppy, like we talked about, but but it's it's not a hit. You know, like so many of the other songs on this album are. Right. Yeah. It was. It just felt like a little un unfinished maybe i don't know um okay so if we had to replace one member of the band who would it be and who would you replace them with i will go first and i would replace the drum machine and bobby z not that bobby z is not a capable drummer because if he is he's fine but um one of my favorite drummers is omar hakim and he is the drummer that did the tracks on let's dance by david bowie and these drums are like, yeah, this is what you want on an album like this. Uh, it would have pushed this thing um, to another level, in my opinion. Um, Ed, what do you think? Uh, I'm with you with the drums only for the fact that, like you said, it's a drum machine, most of it. Uh, I would like to hear what Stuart Copeland would put behind mm. all these tracks. Mm. Yeah, I'm up and remind our viewers uh, what they might have heard him on uh every police album okay yeah yeah and you know it's great i love for my choice and your choice both of these drummers are in this vein of music so i think both of them could have pulled it off masterfully and i really like that choice because i'm a huge fan of him as well um dave go ahead all right uh so all the members of the revolution contributed musically to yeah you know to this album Uh, lyrics were all prints but they did help with the music uh i would replace uh mark brown on bass nothing personal but you know he's the bass player right <laughs> uh, i would replace him with a clone of prince <laughs> oh cool um <laughs> you know it's not fair to him though because and and the same with bobby z it's not fair to pick on these guys because obviously prince put a governor on them oh you yeah, know 100%. He did, yeah, he, yeah he didn't allow them to bring anything to the album so he's the guy steering the ship at the end of the day yep. Uh, yep. and and he he played some of these songs he played everything mm-hmm. so yeah and and not and yeah i i feel like if he had let these guys uncork a little bit we would have got a better album 100 percent. i think he got a little too clever for his own good on this album um all right so final thoughts um 
while listening to this album again, it settled in my mind who the king of pop was in the 80s, okay? Uh, Prince was by far the superior musician to Michael Jackson, but Michael Jackson, along with his album Thriller, was the king of pop in the 80s. I went back and listened to Thriller. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's a fucking studio album. Every song slaps. It's fucking great. He didn't overthink it. He just said, bring me the best musicians and I want your best performances right down to Eddie Van Halen. So he knew what he wanted and it came across and he wasn't trying to produce Thriller. He just said, let's fucking do this thing. And, and he did. So he's the king of pop in the 80s in my, in my uh, opinion. Um, this album, the production and the drums did not stand the test of time. Uh, Prince was beyond talented as an actor, musician, songwriter, producer, everything. I'm a huge fan. I'm not shitting on him. I'm not shitting on this album. It's fucking amazing. There were just some choices that were made that maybe I think were questionable. Um, and I think maybe he wasn't quite ready to produce an album. Um, he overthought this one. So my Watt score is 73 Watts for Purple Rain and it's only because of some choices that were made, but as a body of music and songs, I mean, come on, it's a hundred watt album, but I have to give it 73 because I can't look past the holes in the album. Um, final thoughts on the album, Ed. I love this album. Uh, when this came out, I probably went through two or three copies of it uh, before it, you know, I just have to throw them out because it wouldn't play anymore. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, and it just, it's, I think it was just, this was the perfect album for me at the perfect time. Um, and I just love it. So I, I like it. It kind of introduced me to the electronics end, which unfortunately with electronics as technology advances, electronics sound very dated. Uh, yeah. and that's really, like you said, it's the only real shortfall on this. I agree. If this was more, like compose it all you want on the electronics, but then record it with live session players or the revolution, whoever you want. I think this would have been probably the perfect album if he did that. Um, but uh, because of that, uh, to me, this is a watch score of 89.99. 89, 99. Um, Ed, and with the comment you just made, I would like the listeners to remember that Duran Duran was cutting the same ground. The only difference was they yep. were mixing their sequencers with live drums and it made right. all the difference. Dave, Huge please difference. give us your final thoughts on Purple Rain and your Watt score. All right. I, I This is my favorite Prince album. Uh, he integrated, you know, different styles, live and electronic instruments. He, he really was big part of the sound of the 80s with his own music writing songs and producing you know the time and Sheila e and, and other people uh he he had so much going on that that you know his, his hands all over a lot of stuff um you know the band was was mixed boys and girls multiracial you know prince being the engine so that you know that was kind of a cool um you know thing that that didn't happen a lot before then um, I really love this record. I'm going to give it um, an 84 for the year that it came out. Oh, dude, I like <laughs> your style. That's cool. <laughs> okay, so Ed, with my watt score of 73 watts, 
your watt score of 89.99. I like you keeping it a little off tilt so we don't get too many repeating scores. And with Dave's 84 for the sweet ass year of 1984 when I became a man. <laughs> Will you please <laughs> calculate the scores and tell us how many watts Prince's Purple Rain is pushing? Prince's Purple Rain is pushing 82.33 watts. 82.33 watts. I really like this. I was worried it wasn't gonna it wasn't going to do what it needed to do this week, but it did. Um so Dave, with a score of 82.33 watts. Where does Purple Rain land on the Breaking Vinyl music chart? Purple Rain is our new number one. All right. So next week on Breaking Vinyl, we will be discussing Velvet Revolver's Contraband. Uh, Possibly one of the greatest rock albums of all time, if not the greatest rock album of all time. It's But we'll get into it. Yeah, we'll get into it. Okay, Dave, I'm uh, sorry, Ed, will you please tell the listeners where they can find the show? And this time, give them the map. <laughs> give them the map. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Breaking Vinyl Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Be Vinyl Pod. Please follow us uh, every chance you can. Yes, and wherever you're listening to the show, I I ask you, please. We do this for free. We do it for fun. The only thing we ask is that you leave us a five-star review. You share it with your friends, and uh, that helps the podcast grow. And eventually, we will ask for your money because I see you out there listening. Okay, so we do have a sister podcast called Hey, Did You Ever See That Movie? So if you like movies and you like to hear people break down movies, go check it out. It's on all the same platforms you found this. That is Hey, Did You Ever See That Movie? Until next time. Take those records out of the sleeves and let the music breathe. See you later. Bye. Bye.